CuntCast podcast is rated not safe for work. Urban Dictionary describes it as internet content generally inappropriate for the typical workplace, i.e. would not be acceptable in the presence of your boss and colleagues. All of these definitions apply. As a result, we will provide you with 15 seconds of pleasant, non-offensive music for you to advance to the next program, acquire headphones, or lock all available doors and windows for a proper sensual cunt cast experience. Please, be safe out there and enjoy the program. my fellow sexual subjects you are listening to a broadcast of the cunt cast podcast a conversation with a classically characterized cunt carefully crafted with cognizant courage to champion conscientious consummation and i am your host najela Ree, and i am joined by my favorite human being mr ann rand freeman how are you doing i have a um a very uh, simple request now. If people who are listening, um, I want to know if anyone else has this problem that I have. I am the most audible swallower out of anyone I've ever met in my entire life. Like when I drink water, it sounds like a cartoon character drinking water, like full throated gulps out of a loony tune. I, I have made my swallowing sound more audible, mostly for like, you know, in the theater of copulation that right think of a pretty silent swallower right that's what i mean i realized that now as i was drinking water when you were talking and mike was on and i the way i naturally sound drinking water is so loud it would have actually overwhelmed like like eh, 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 eh. <laughs> You hear that? It is like cartoon right. swallowing. Yes. I never noticed that. Yes. And so <laughs> I can't drink when there's a mic on. And I don't drink uh-huh. around people I don't know. Well, it's fine. But other people. I was just really curious about that. So if you're listening, hit somebody up. Let uh-huh. us know. If you're a loud swallower, I want to know. The trials and tribulations of your life. I have like silently life. swallowed a quarter by accident. What? When I was small, oh, like, okay. I found like a quarter and I was trying to hide it from my brother. So I put it in my mouth and it went right down my throat. And then we had to like get it out because <laughs> it just silently went down my throat. So nobody knew that I swallowed it, even though I was in like a room of people. And then once they figured out what was happening, there was some panic. But I got it back up. Also, when I figured out I had no gag reflex. That fascinates me. Yeah. <laughs> no, it does. I, I mean, it. I, it does. Like, it's just. Um, it's just um because when you have no gag reflex, it everything blowjobs no longer make sense. I'm someone. I'm. I've been very conscientious about how much dick I have. 
since I was young enough to notice that I have a little bit more than the other boys. And the idea that someone has no gag reflex and can therefore fit the entire thing down their throat has always fascinated me. And not in like the porno way, but just like in the, like I would watch an x-ray of it. <laughs> you know, I think most guys that I've dealt with have had that reaction. Some right. have even like tried to stop me because they're like, no, that's not what's supposed to happen. I'm right. like, no, no, I'm fine. Right. It's exactly, that's <laughs> just, it's because I, you get trained that, you know, that blowjobs in and of themselves have a lot of politics involved. And you're not supposed to be, you're not supposed to be forcing your cock down anybody's throat. Well, I've had the guys that were do, trying to force their cock down my throat to realize it, they don't have to force, it just goes down. So then they end up smacking my nose into their pelvis. And that is not fun for me. I don't know? even. <laughs> I find it fascinating that you can overdo it, having you having someone who can comfortably fit all your dick in 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 their mouth. Then you're good. Also, the some of these guys didn't have the most dick. Like, they had some dick. Oh. They didn't have like all the dick. Right. So like, like, if I could comfortably fit all of your dick and your balls in my mouth, you don't have. A lot of dick. <clears throat> I mean, they have enough dick. I feel like we're going to have to say a positive word for people who have a, you, you know what? You don't need an excessive yeah. amount of dick you know what? is all I'm saying. Listen, you know what? Fuck it. If you have an average amount of dick, then just have somebody swallow the whole thing. Fuck it. If they can. And if they can't, if they that's can, okay too. That's fine. That's why I just find it fascinating. I find... The whole no gag reflex thing, it's, it's, it's less arousing and more interesting because I'm just like, wow, this is the, this, this is the most, this is the wildest thing still and that can happen to me sexually is someone putting my dick down their throat. Doesn't make any sense. It literally disappears. I don't understand it. I've okay. had people um, ask me afterwards they're like that thing you were doing with your throat was amazing what are you doing and i'm like just that's like the swallowing motion yeah like it's not like some special trick it's just like what your mouth and throat does when there's something in it (laughs) (laughs) i wish i could take credit for it i mean (laughs) apparently your 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 internal reflexes are better than other people's internal reflexes and you can take some pride your internal reflexes bring the boys to the yard we can just say that comfortably your internal yeah and i'm now at the point where it might bring them to yard and now i'm just turning them away from the yard <laughs> it's like bye nope that's fine you're not getting this that's fine i've just decided like i'm not doing that for everybody anymore oh, that's- because they everybody if you have sex with me you get to come and i'm very sick of me not getting to come that's listen that's a that's a that's a that's a blessed reason to not go down on somebody and frankly i've always believed that that i don't i don't think that i've always thought that because penises are so fragile that our orgasm shouldn't be centered anyway like we're going to come the way sex is structured, we are surrounded for a vast majority of the experience. <laughs> like no. your dick is surrounded. 
So it's I like literally made people come with like my feet, and I hate feet. Right. <laughs> it's not the penises. Penises are not. They are not. They don't have the constitution to be the centerpiece of the sexual experience of the heterosexual sexual experience. They don't. Well, I feel like some guys. It's like the puzzle box from from Hellraiser. Like, what do you mean? Sure, you could figure it out, but do you really want to? Right, and that's the thing. Is like, and I, and some people that like they try to make their own orgasm really obtuse, especially guys that want to make their orgasm very obtuse because they know their penis is just low constitution. And instead of leaning into it and having fun with it, then they make their orgasm some type of trick that you have to pull some type of Dark Souls elaborate puzzle with no, with no hints, and that's. Also counterintuitive. It's counterintuitive. It's just not. Yeah, it's not helpful to anyone involved. Well, I think this is actually going to go right into our kink of the week. Or I don't even know if this is specifically a kink of the week, but I think it falls close enough that we count it as a kink of the week. Where um, I think some people believe that their orgasm is so paramount that it gives them an excuse to do things that just kind of uh, cancel out and just utterly destroy the, the hope of their partner orgasming. Specifically, I want to talk about choking during sex. All right. Because uh, there's been a lot of articles popping up. Um, there's some in The Atlantic, The Guardian... And there's been this conversation about what they're calling the quote-unquote startling rise and prominence of choking during sex. Okay, guys. And what they're not—they're not talking about just consensual choking during sex. They're talking about uh, just choking without asking first. So it's, nobody's talked about it, and it's just. I'm in the heat of the moment and I want to get off. So I'm going to choke you. Um, as far as I've known, I just, I always find it. I, I have a mild opposition when articles are like the startling rise of a sexual thing. Cause yeah. growing up, I've heard all types of stories from all types of people about all types of shit that happens when someone's trying to come. And this is from being a teenager all the way up to now. So I don't... When you say startling rise... I mean, that is their words, not mine. Right, I'm not saying I, you. That's what I mean. I know you wouldn't say startling rise either because you have... You, you've seen... You've lived your life. You've seen some things. So have I. So it's just... It's like it's not a startling rise, guys. It's a thing well, that we're talking... they're ta specifically trying to blame the prevalence of pornography for this oh darling rise but i kind of feel like this is something that was happening way before porn especially yeah. because in porn it used to be super taboo yeah and i i don't think the like when they're saying there was a rise in anal sex in porn they said that was the reason why <sighs> anal sex is quote-unquote more popular but i think what was happening is because porn is so accessible now people are looking for porn that reflects what they're doing yeah 
So that's why they're looking for more anal sex because people have a lot of anal sex. Yeah, it's one of the it's one of those things where I don't think that we're really at peace with how much sex and violence are intertwined. So it's like there are certain things, violent things that happen during sex that do. And it's not because of porn. It's because sex has a slight air of violence to it a lot. It is frequently not optimal. (laughs) Ad hoc. And usually someone you're not necessarily supposed to be doing it with a vast majority of the time. So yes, there is an air of violence to sex that means that if anything happened, violence... There are more violent things that happen during sex than we are willing to talk about. So when it happens, we have to then blame porn, which is missing the point. Yeah, and I don't... I don't consume a lot of pornography um which shocks a lot of people um i am a person who got fired from the job of reviewing porn because i was sent uh some porn movies and they're like review them and i sent them 500 words about uh how lighting reflects the emotional journey of the wolfman in this halloween porn parody and they were having none of my shit. <laughs> They're just like, no, ma'am. Nope, this is not what we're paying you for. Stop. I like being choked during sex if I trust my partner. Like, literally some of the best sex I ever have. A dude just got on leave from the army, came, like, still in his, like, army greens or whatever the heck they call them. Choked me with a belt. While having very rough anal sex, and it was just the best. Just tops. And that is not something I've ever seen in a porno, but it was just something that I like. And I know that I've had partners, male partners, who are very much not into that. Right. So if I'm in the mood for something more rough and I talk about my partner, if he's just like, ugh, like, not into it then i obviously i'm not gonna you know punch him in the stomach and hope that he'll choke me or anything weird like that but i know that there are people who don't have that conversation so they just get it sprung on them and they're just like ah, i'm afraid because i can't breathe especially because a lot of people don't know how to properly choke during sex mm. uh, we should like, go over that like if if you're closing their air passages completely, so you're literally choking the life out of that. That is not what you're supposed to be doing. <laughs> Applying a little pressure, like down and around where you're, it's just heightening the mood of what's happening. Sure, but um, just putting your hands completely around somebody's neck and wringing the life out of them that's just murder right <laughs> it's, I, it's 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 not quite we call it it's choking but it's sort of like um professional it's kind of like the professional wrestling punch yeah it's not it's not the wrestlers they do a pantomime kind of theater punch other than all wrestling matches would be exactly 14 seconds long <laughs> so it's the same thing with choking in sex it's it's a pantomime theater choking you wrap around and grip but you don't grip anything that prevents the person from breathing it's the feeling of having their throat gripped that does the thing you don't have to actually try to kill them as that is attempted murder 
Yes. Don't do that. No attempted murder, guys. <laughs> but what I think is very weird is, I mean, you have people like Dan Savage, who's basically saying, oh, this is like a straight people thing because, you know, straight people, there's so much patriarchy and they don't talk and blah, blah, blah. But I feel like this is something that comes up for everybody. Uh, the choking during sex. And uh, I'm, I'm somewhat happy that now we, we're talking about it out in the open mm -hmm. because this is one of the things that I used to not really want to admit <laughs> that I was into because I think a lot of people see that as like a rape fantasy. And I like, it's definitely not that for me, but it is, it, it's something that outwardly looks violent. And I think that makes people uncomfortable. Right. And nobody wants to feel like they're promoting sexual violence in their personal lives. Right. Especially if they've survived sexual violence. Right. But I, I kind of hope we could start having a conversation about our wants and turn ons without admonishing people right if if their proclivities run into something that looks a little darker or mm -hmm. seems quote-unquote extreme right because i don't think that most of the things people are into is are that off the wall but choking is something that can be so potentially harmful <laughs> that i feel at least do a little research if if you're into this and you like being choked by your partner or you like choking your partner start researching how to do it safely start practicing if you're somebody that has multiple partners practice having that conversation where you ask if somebody's into that how hard can you use both hands one hand like can you use props like mm -hmm. i said i don't mind a belt around my neck Obviously, a lot of people will have some fucking problems with that. <laughs> Depending on the partner, I don't. But that's no reason to assume that anybody else won't have a problem. <laughs> and I also don't want to sound as if I'm ignoring a lot of the people that are taking issue with this choking during sex phenomenon because there are women who are writing into magazines and such saying that they feel afraid and they don't feel safe with their partners and i mean i think that goes beyond choking during sex at this point right <laughs> if you're if you don't that's this is beyond sex like don't stop fucking people you don't feel safe with yes ma'am i don't like to stop dating people you don't feel safe with and if you don't feel safe with anybody, maybe take a break and maybe some therapy and just concentrate on making yourself feel safe. That's how I feel. <laughs> have you ever had to have that conversation about choking? Yeah, I have that. Um, It comes up. Um, It's just something. Uh, well, because I like I said, I understand that there's a lot of violence in sex inherently. There's a lot of the, the danger. There's a lot of danger involved with sex typically. 
I tend to explore how my partner feels about it. Because, um, you know, there are some things that people like that they can't talk about. Because usually, like, you're a lady and you say you like some problematic, air quote, stuff, then men jump down your throat about it. You know what I mean? It gets weird because men aren't good at nuance, per se. So, yeah. So, I've had the conversation and it's come up just because of the normal discussion about things that they might like or things that they might enjoy or anything off the beaten path that might they might enjoy about sex. You know, I just check in. Also, you just check in because thing. You know, as someone feels more comfortable with you, they let you know more stuff about themselves, and then that oh. it plays into the sexual relationship. So yes, yeah, it's part. It's part of a normal conversation about sex that happens when you keep having sex oh. with the same person. You know, and I also feel like if you're if you're having sex with somebody, you should be able to have this conversation, and you should also be able to be told no. Right. Because. <laughs> Nobody is obligated to do the things that turn you on. Right. I say this as somebody who stopped fucking people who don't eat her out. But I also mm-hmm. say that understanding that they don't have to fuck me. <laughs> and if I say, yeah, this is, you know, my boundary. And if they go, no, I'm not doing that. Then I'm like, okay, I guess sex isn't happening. Bye. Right. <laughs> and that's okay. That's fine. It's been it's been a while since we've been able to sit down and talk with all y'all peoples. What has happened? Oh, I saw I guess the biggest movie about sex workers since Players Club. Okay. Uh Hustlers. I oh. I know you haven't seen it yet. Yeah, you're, you're, I, I, you, you are free to spoil it. It's my own fault for not seeing it. I, um, I have been working like a demon, so I have not gotten the opportunity to see it. I actually want to see it on Sunday, but I have not got a chance to see it. But feel free to spoil it. It is perfectly well, fine. I'm excited to hear your take on it either way. I'm going to try to discuss it in a way that is less spoilery. No, spoil that. Spoil that motherfucker. Listen, it... The fact that I didn't see it in time for the show is on me. Um, well, you yes, have to. I want other people who are planning to see this. Oh, I see. To, so you want to so see it too? So do you want to return to the movie like more than once? Do you want to like have a little? Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Oh, okay. Fair enough. I guess. Well, first, I want to say that I did enjoy the movie because I think it's just a very competently made movie. Um, I also feel that. Uh, I have a super biased opinion because this is a movie basically about the time when I was dancing. Mm. Uh, But it's for me, it's like how the other half lived because these were the story of the women who I kind of wished I could be because they consistently made bank. Um, There are some things in the movie it uh, stars Jennifer Lopez, Constant Wu, Kiki Palmer, and Cardi B and Lizzo is in it. And the girl from Riverdale, the little white girl. Mm-hmm. I forgot her name, but she's Betty in Riverdale. Right. It is based on a true story. Uh, the true story was mostly white women. Uh, mm-hmm. So I... I'm kind of 
I have mixed feelings about them making the cast mostly women of color because the real story was uh, mostly white women. But now that you have a story and you're talking about strippers that committed crimes, you made them mostly women of color. Despite the fact that women of color would not have been hired to work at the kind of club that they're trying to depict in this movie. I see. Uh, The real situation happened at a club called Scores in New York. Oh, I know Scores. Yeah. Oh, shit. So, yeah. And uh, I did get to dance at Scores once. It was for somebody's special party. Um, so I'm not saying it's completely unrealistic that, you know, somebody who looked like Lizzo, cause I'm, I'm fat, I'm black and I was half naked up in there too, but the story really doesn't show how that would have really happened. Hmm. Cause when I danced at clubs like that, like I wasn't hired by the club cause they would not hire someone who looked like me hmm. when I danced at the straight size clubs, like we sometimes had to change in the bathroom and then pay to have our stuff stored in coat jack. Hmm. We had to pay the cover to get in like any customer. Right. We still had to tip in and tip out. We still had to then tip the staff. We still had to then tip the person who brought us in or the promoter that brought us in. So it cost us more to even go to work and they didn't really show that though that was the reality for a lot of for not just like fat dancers but also if they were having you know a latin night or if they're having a caribbean night or any kind of night where they're bringing any type of person that wasn't the regular of the club like Mm -hmm. that is how they were being treated so that was one thing that i kind of as i was watching it took me out of the film a little Right. Because I'm like, oh, this is not, it's like, it's a great fantasy, but it's not how they, how it went down. Hmm. Uh, there is, uh, the, the film starts at like 2005, right. which is around when I started. And then it goes from 2005 to 2008 and the financial collapse. Mm-hmm. And then it ends around like 2015, I think. Right. So it, it pretty much spans my career, if you want to call it that, in dancing. Um, but I realized I saw the movie twice. The first time I saw it, I was just like completely in my stripper feels. And it was just like, oh, my God, we were so beautiful and powerful. Why? Oh, I'm never going to do that again. I was just like full of tears it's basically friendship is magic but like with stripper heels and tits and it's great Mm -hmm. in that moment but then when i got home and started thinking about it i'm like wait a minute (laughs) i feel kind of insulted by this (laughs) uh rudy explain and i hope this isn't a big spoiler but um especially because it's based on a true story of of new york I think it was in New York Times Magazine, it was the Sunday edition or something. 
They talked about the the hustlers at scores. You can look it up. Um, basically, when the financial crash happened, ex-dancers and current dancers in the club were then working with the club to bring in very uh, affluent clientele, get them super drunk so they could charge their cards for a lot of stuff. And then, you know, everybody kind of pockets some of the money. That was, that was a hustle. Right. And unfortunately they take it to a, a step too far where it becomes credit card fraud and felonies. But when they were recruiting people to make more money, they were like, oh, we got to outsource. And they go, oh, Craigslist girls. And the way they depict the women who they got from Craigslist, was it was so like internally, internal, so much internalized horophobia. Right. <laughs> because it was basically like, well, here are the, the queen bees and, and these goddesses that you want to be like, and then Craigslist girls. And then you might as well just had a trough of barn animals because they look, just the film looks down at them with so much disdain. And I kind of realized, wait a minute, that was me. <laughs> like, I did that. I remember I was recruited to do this and I did not realize what I was doing until I saw this movie. <laughs> wow. Uh, because I remember I would get, uh, they would sit, put the ads on Craigslist, you know, we want dancers, we want masseuse, we want escorts, we want whatever. But it was like, we just need pretty girls. We're going to have a party. And, um, you know, we just need to entertain somebody at this club or at this party or at this, on this boat. I did like uh, going around the New York Harbor and I kind of realized, like, huh, so these are the types of people, like, I did stuff for, like, tips. Mm-hmm. So I thought I was getting away, making three, $400. Right. To find out these bitches were making, like, 50 grand off <laughs> these guys. And I was like, eh, they did not share the goddamn wealth of that. <laughs> Oh shit. Uh, the worst part is I, I watched it the first time just by myself because I'm like, I'm gonna get real weepy for my periods coming. I'm very emotional, especially because it's like I've been sick and I just realized like I am never doing that again. Like watching all the poll stuff, I'm like, my time doing that shit is is done. Like I had to learn how to walk again. Mm-hmm. I I'm proud of myself and I get to walk in heels with a purse and I don't fall down. So that was enough to get me real weepy. But then I saw it again with my uncle, which I didn't realize how weird it was going to be until Jennifer Lopez starts dancing. And I'm like, hmm, I don't <laughs> want to sit next to my uncle if he has a boner. That's weird. I'm going to try not to think about that. <laughs> but the the reminder of like, it's just started jogging my memories of being in college and like I was one of those Craigslist bitches because <laughs> I would be in school and I could only dance on weekends 
And it's very hard to get regulars when a you're not a you're not an actual employee of the club. You're working under a promoter, so you're dancing only at the places that he has set up to have like the the big girl parties. Or he's said, "Oh, I have three slots at this club, but I have to now share almost half of what I make with him." Right. because he has talked them into letting me dance there. So I was like, oh, these parties are kind of a godsend, especially because I started college in 2005. So I went from my freshman year where there was just money to be had because, you know, everything was good. Every hedge fund manager would, you know, have a friggin' bottle of Cristal and not give a shit. Mm-hmm. There were times where I had one dude buy me uh, a bespoke friggin' sh- I forgot what type of expensive shoe that I didn't know could come in my size, but apparently you could order them just because he wanted to lick them after I walked around on them. Like people were hemorrhaging money. It was just a time where these guys they were just operating on just some what i can only describe as some other other shit (laughs) like i've never seen people go take me to a restaurant and the appetizers are four hundred dollars what's the point of just that's amazing like what what were the appetizers that are four hundred dollar appetizers it was literally four little pieces of sushi um, with just a little dab of soy sauce. And it already had the, um, whatchamacallit, paste inside it. And it was just a little tasting platter of, of four sushis. Not even sushi and sashimi, just sushi. Hmm. Okay. And I, I, I used to, they, cause usually what they do is you would either go for the party and after you meet the guy, like hopefully you'd say, okay, there's another party I'm going to work at. Will you like bring me? And so sometimes they'd take you to dinner and you'd be like, yay, free food. But the extravagant ass shit that people used to go for in Manhattan because first of all it's Manhattan (laughs) so everything is more expensive than it has to be just because there's so many goddamn people packed together but I have never in my life seen people spend so frivolously like it was a competition to see how much money one could waste Mm -hmm. in an evening hmm And I would know that, like, the only reason I would be there is because this person thinks they're so rich that they're just thinking of what's something that is hard to find. Find me a really flexible fat bitch and I want her to have XYZ, like, ethnic makeup that they think nobody could find. So I was pretty much like an oddity. It was like being a circus act like in a freak show almost Mm -hmm. except they had boners 
which I hope they don't have boners usually. At the freak, the freak show? Shows. 100% guarantee. But go on. Okay. So when I was watching Hustlers, there's a couple of scenes where I just feel like they gloss over the reality of what it was like to be a sex worker at different stratospheres, I guess, or different uh, oh, different stations tiers. of it. Yeah, because while they want to be empowering to sex workers who are strippers in the clubs, they kind of only see that as a valid form of sex work. Right. So if you do extras in the club, you're vilified. If you are a girl who works on Craigslist, you're vilified. They literally just say, oh, Craigslist girls, but they're junkies and criminals. <laughs> Despite the fact that this is a story about <laughs> yeah. dancers who literally drug people to steal money from their credit cards. That's neither here nor there, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, the Craigslist girls, we were the junkies and the the problems. <laughs> and they really do kind of frame the story as it was all good until they let the riffraff in. Which is not exactly how it happened in real life. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like, they, they were kind of riffraff to begin with. <laughs> if you want to keep it 100. There's also, um, so the way the story is structured, it follows... Constant Wu's character, Destiny, who was kind of the new girl at Jennifer Lopez's club. And Jennifer Lopez's character, Ramona, takes her under her wing and um, kind of teaches her the ropes of that club, which I, it really did jog memories. I remember when I first started dancing, I definitely had a Ramona. Mm -hmm. But I was also smart enough to know, like, I are you being nice to me because you're nice? Are you being nice because you want to take advantage of me, la like, later on down the road? But in, in as the movie progresses, you kind of see that, like, these women form a really tight bond. And what is basically the, the villain of the film are these lower cats class sex workers who come between them because Ramona is also um, being like motherly towards them and uh, what happens is they have a falling out over this and then Destiny has to go back to the club but Ramona is no longer there mm. and uh there's new dancers. So they basically want to frame it as after the financial collapse, the grade of dancer and the grade of sex worker declined. Okay. Uh, so what they depict is basically the club is full of immigrants, Whoa. specifically Russians, okay. which tickled me as funny because I'm like, that it's not inaccurate that clubs were hiring a lot more immigrants hmm. and some, a lot from Eastern Europe and you know other countries but like one of those ladies is now our first lady so we can't oh wow really yeah oh. 
So. Oh shit! That's the world is really t- wow. Yeah, it is. It is small, small world. I mean, I probably should not tell this story, but I was gonna tweet about it. But my since my Twitter's locked, I might as well say it here. So I remember um, going on a few dates with one of the lawyers that was on the legal team to represent scores mm-hmm. against one of the guys that you know got taken advantage of mm-hmm. and um which even then i know i'm a dumbass because he's basically telling me what these women were doing and i didn't put it together that the craigslist ads that i was answering to go on and dance at these parties was the same women that were doing this because i'm a dumbass <laughs> but i i went on a couple of dates with this guy and you know I remember him saying a lot of things like, oh, well, you know, they'll just hire anybody. It used to be to be a scores girl. You got you were on Howard Stern. You were a celebrity. Now they'll just hire anybody. And I kind of felt like what he was really saying is uh, we have these dumb foreigners now and right. they are. It made me feel some type of way because he was Korean American. Right. So I was like, do you have any people have been calling you a dumb foreigner behind your goddamn? you idiot um wait was he korean american or was he chinese american i don't remember but he had a thick ass dick uh (laughs) and an adorable dog but that part of the movie i felt like some type of way (laughs) because i remember um there was a time where there was a promoter who was like look I'm not really supposed to have a lot of college girls because you guys are trouble. You guys ask too many questions. You want contracts. You want this and this. But I'll just tell them that, you know, you're a fob, you know, fresh off the boat. Just don't speak any English and Mm. I can get you in. So Mm. I kind of feel like there's a lot more to it than these hoity-toity Russian supermodel-looking bitches took over the club. Hmm. It's really they were not hiring people because they felt they could take advantage of newly immigrated people Hmm. in a way that they could not with college educated and, you know, young American women. Okay. I just felt like there was a lot of um, missing context, if you will. Oh, that's so interesting. That's really, really interesting. Yeah. And they also, um, they really downplay how much was always the final destination early on. Right. Like there were some, like if it was like a boat party or sometimes a hotel party, we would stay in there. But Usually, like, I couldn't do the hotels and the boats for long because I figured out that I was not full service. So, like, A, I was not for service, and B, they cannot ply me with drugs because, like, I don't drink and I don't take drugs. I want money. So I was just be there sober. <laughs> and they were just like, we don't like you, <laughs> basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, I asked too many questions. And if you want to ply somebody with alcohol, having a sober girl 
was useless. Because <laughs> I'm just there. To, I was like, hey, have you ever played Fire Emblem? Let me tell you all about the lore. Like, nobody wants that girl. <laughs> no matter how big your tits are. If you're trying to get a guy drunk so he could charge up his credit card. But when I would do these parties, I would realize, like, a lot of times it'd be like, okay, well, we're like, let's get out of this hotel room. And then we're only a couple of blocks away from whatever club they wanted to go to. So the clubs were definitely in on it because they were mostly running these guys' credit cards through the club's machines. So there is no way that the clubs weren't just as at fault as these women. But that's kind of glossed over mm. in the film. Right. I also feel like uh, the film, they at the same time want you to not feel sorry for the victims. But then they give you one sob story to say, oh, no, we're looking at everything from both sides. And I'm kind of like, well, no, you can't. You can't try to play both sides of this. Right. <laughs> Even though they, they have uh, Julia Stiles is also in the movie. She plays the woman who wrote the article that launched this story. Mm -hmm. And she has a, like a, a little monologue where she talks about how she's supposed to look at look down at the dancers because of what they did but she doesn't and j-lo also has another speech where she's like this was stolen money they stole from the american people they stole from the firemen's retirement fund and i'm like okay sure but they also drugged people so they right. could swipe their credit cards and they could have killed people <laughs> Like, uh, I, like, honestly, I can't say I feel like I, I, I don't feel bad, but I don't condone what they did right. <laughs> because clearly I apparently was complicit in it when I was too dumb to make money off it, but <laughs> I wouldn't have drugged somebody. I wouldn't have, like, I, I feel like you could have gotten those guys to go to the club and spend a lot of money without drugging them and plying them with alcohol. Like, they would have run up thousands of dollars on those credit cards anyway. Would they have rung up $50,000? No. Hmm. Five or $6,000? Easily. So kind of feel like the film wants to throw in this Robin Hood angle but the women who were stealing from the hedge fund managers and the Wall Street guys were then kind of lowballing and stealing the labor from the Craigslist girls so I can't exactly make them out to be the Robin Hood heroes in my mind right because when I was a college student, there are times where, you know, they put out the ad 
you would call them, they would get your info and they say, okay, well, the boat's leaving the dock at such and such time. And you'd get there we're like, oh, well, there's another black girl. So we don't need you anymore. We left already. And I would have been going from Newark to Manhattan and I wouldn't get their text message until I was out of the path train hmm. and then have to take my ass all the way back. And I'd be pissed because I spent money to get my hair done. I spent money to get my nails done. I spent money to get my outfit because I couldn't wear any old thing to these parties right. because a, I'm like maybe either the only or maybe one of one or two other fat people there. I do not want to look like who did it and ran, came back and did it again. <laughs> I cannot look, quote unquote, like they want you to look cheap, but not poor. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that took more money than a college student has. And I'm not. I don't want to sound just like bitter because I found out 10 years after the fact Mm -hmm. that I got screwed out of a lot more money because they weren't going to give me the money anyways. But it was frustrating to know that I thought I was going to make 300 bucks. And then really all I did was waste path fare and money to pretty myself up for nothing. (laughs) And they didn't care. Hmm. So, because, you know, I was in, obviously, I was just some Craigslist girl. Hmm. So. Well, talk. Well, yeah. Historical context for this movie is important. Like, I actually, like I said, I would, I would argue that anyone who's seen the movie, for the most part, is not thinking of it in that way. So, to provide historical context for this particular movie is great. And it's, it's weird to think of it as historical context because <laughs> it's like my life. It made me realize how old I was right? because they're there. They obviously dress like 2005 and you look back and you're like, oh, we look like idiots. <laughs> <laughs> there are some scenes where like they they don't go all the way because what a girl that work that scores look like in 2005 is not something that we might find attractive now right there was a lot of like drawn on pencil thin eyebrows like the the dark liner and the super high clear lip gloss stuff that we would think looks ridiculous but was high fashion in 2005 right. a lot of like pants where your zipper is like half a pinky long because it's so goddamn low cut. And you look at it, it's just like, nobody loved us. We didn't have friends. Like, <laughs> why did we let ourselves walk out the house like this? <laughs> and I was like, how did I get fucked as much? Looking like that much of an asshole. <laughs> but after I saw the movie the first time, I actually like went back on Facebook and was looking at some of my old, old pictures and was like, ew. <laughs> <laughs> and then I went back and I was like going through my old like like dancer photos. And I was like, I'm happy. I, I still look somewhat normal, mostly because I did not want to stress myself. And 
trying to learn the makeup of the time is extra. So I always did like pretty classic, aka boring makeup. So I never looked that dumb. But some of the outfits I was wearing, like I had one outfit where I have a tank top, but it only has one sleeve and it has a union jack on the front. <laughs> and I'm wearing these super low cut J-Lo pants. And they are so low cut. You could see my thong on the sides. <laughs> and I was just like, what in the brat doll fuck was going on? I mean, that was the style. I mean, I could see it. I've, I've, you know, I've seen plenty. I mean, that was what that's what we wanted. That's what we like to look at as a dude. That's definitely what dudes like to see. So, you know, I wish I could be like, you know, that, what what are you doing? But real talk, it I is... wouldn't even dress a sim like that right now. <laughs> but to see it on the screen was just like. You really, you were that, that was you. And how, like, with all the Hollywood lights and magic, like, they still made these beautiful women look ridiculous. So imagine how awful you looked. Because <laughs> you didn't have any of that. You were not Jennifer Lopez. Though so a lot of the dance wear was not period accurate either. Mm-hmm. It's a, they're wearing a lot of stuff that you would see people wearing like now. Huh. No, but I could see why they would do that. No, oh, why? They also don't have they uh, they had uh, they casted dancers that look like they would get hired today, who would have been turned away from a club like Cardi B probably. She could have worked in the outer boroughs, mm. but in Manhattan, they probably wouldn't have hired Cardi B, huh. which sounds incredibly insane. Even though not for nothing, she is the one that it was her and one of the girl when they showed them dancing, dance like actual dancers. Like Jennifer Lopez was like, here's a music video shoot. <laughs> And she took some pole classes. <laughs> and she's incredible. Just a lot of athleticism. You could tell she really, really worked hard to do that. Like, she does a, a dance to, like, a minute and a half of a uh, Fiona Apple song. Right. Which tickled my fancy because... Um, I would request songs like that to just fuck with everybody because sometimes you dance with bitches who wanted to blow cigarette smoke into your bag. Mm. And I would uh, ask for some odd songs that nobody else would enjoy dancing to because (laughs) I know I would enjoy dancing to it. (laughs) I was not above giving the DJ $20 to play Stomp (laughs) on, on a Friday afternoon. Just make everybody feel uncomfortable. But uh, what I realized is like they wanted this spectacle for an audience of non-sex workers. But the women who actually danced like we danced got like 
a lot less screen time than Jennifer Lopez doing her. It felt more like a set piece hmm. than like dancing. Hmm. Yeah. I see what you mean. So while I think it is a competently made film and I did kind of enjoy the story there's a lot of room for criticism <laughs> especially from you know a broken old whore like me <laughs> i mean it's not criticism it's just historical accuracy and i would imagine that when you're making a movie like this you don't think that it's something you need to adhere to so yeah uh, you know you're making like when you tell stories like this you're only adhering to one history one one set of stories not all the stories are affecting how you see it's not affecting how you see the whole. Yeah. So yeah, it's important that you actually bring this yeah. up real talk. And I mean, I go into this knowing that this is a portrayal that is based on what a, you know, white upper class journalist wrote. Right. Filtered through the testimonies of some of the women that were involved who did who look down on full service workers, who look down at girls who did extras in the club. And you, you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt because if those women who they interviewed had seen racism or fat phobia in the club, would they have noted it? Would they have thought it was important enough to talk to an interviewer for probably not right <laughs> i mean you have in like the first scene where constant woo's characters in the strip club some white guys calling her lucy lou and she just smiles there's mm. no pushback there's no like sign that that annoys her somebody like kind of has a microaggression where they go oh well you know you're asian so you must be making a lot of money which is not always true because, mm -hmm. you know, if you're in a club and you're dancing next to Cardi B and Jennifer Lopez and then you're constant woo mm. and you're trying to shake your ass, do you think you're going to be making a lot of money in that club? <laughs> but I digress. So there are things that I wish they could have you know, dived into more, but I also know that um, Sally, who's going with her PTA club to day drink at the mall while the kids are at daycare, doesn't give a shit about what chicks who were dancing from Craigslist ads have to say or feel about it. So it's a good perspective. I'm here for this. Don't worry about yeah. what people who want to dismiss. Um, the nuanced the other voices of the time have to yeah. say you did talk them i mean it was very cathartic right to like rem start remembering a lot of shit because there were things that i just forgot about right like i really kind of just forgot about like oh yeah like when a lot of times when people say oh i was dancing they don't always mean that they were dancing in a club because not everybody could get hired at a club so it kind of reminded me of all those boat parties and hotel parties and shit that I got like 
from working Craigslist. I just wish at the time I would have known what the gig was. Right. Well, but, you know, also, I'm sure half the bitches who are doing those things are in jail. So maybe it is a good thing that <laughs> I didn't know. Because <laughs> I would have had no excuse. They're like, you are completely sober. It's like, I mean, yeah, officer, if you want to put it that way. <laughs> Did I know exactly what I was doing? Maybe. But also... He wore a lot of drug New York and he smelled really bad and he did bankrupt a nation. So, uh, yeah, it would have worked for my black ass. <laughs> oh, I see it. Yeah. All right. It then. was it was interesting, though, because I think a lot of people forget what it was like when 2008 happened. Because hmm. I remember that's when I went online for the first time because there there was no money to be made dancing anymore because nobody had any hmm. <laughs> and then I, I graduated in college in 2009 so those two semesters 2008 to 2009 I was just like what am I graduating into because ain't nobody have money to if pe I felt if people didn't have money for like a stripper, they didn't have money to hire new workers, and I was kind of right because I didn't get a job until 2010, almost 2011, right. using my degree. So people wonder like, oh my god, how could you have done X, Y, and Z during this time? Because shit was rough, right. And I, I think we've forgotten because, like, the economy improved, apparently, so they tell us. But I still feel like most people don't feel it. But it, it, you, you forget how much money there used to be to throw around. Hmm. Ah. Well, then. Yeah, it... it it is uh, dangerous to be drunk on nostalgia, but I could totally see myself watching the first half of this movie over and over on Netflix just to remember the good old days. Oh. Yeah. They're, they're, like, I don't know. It's weird. I got in my, like, stripper feels because it's like, like, there's, it, that's time that we'll never get to experience again. Hmm. Just like that's a time where it's like if you were dancing, like your family was straight. Like I remember paying for my goddaughter's daycare. My friend would come to me like, "Oh, I need like five, six hundred dollars for daycare," and I'd be like, "Okay, here." Like it was nothing, hmm. and then it went to, "Oh my god, did these like turkey sausages go bad because they need to last me for at least a week because that's the only thing I have left to eat." Hmm. It went from, you know, who is going to buy me lobster this week to I have now fought my roommate over a potato. <laughs> hmm. I wish I was lying. <laughs> but, yeah. So, 
I'm not saying don't see the movie. I'm I'm just saying that you should, if you see the movie, you should be a little aware that it's not exactly accurate and to look out for things like hierarchy and horphobia that's kind of entrenched in the narrative. Okay. But I do think it's worth seeing. Well, I'm, more, um, I'm more interested in seeing it now with all the context than I was before. Yes. Uh, I just I just think they missed the opportunity. If you're going to take the story that was, you know, mostly white women and like one Asian woman, they and add more diversity to it, you should have taken the time to actually reflect what it would have been like for a woman who has a body like Cardi B or a woman who's dark skinned like Kiki or you know, a woman who's fat like Lizzo, like what was it like for them to be dancers at that time? Because that is not in this film. Mm. And I wish it was. Mm. Not anymore. Along with hundreds of other sex workers. What's going on? Yeah, so as much as Twitter is denying it, that there was no mass shadow banning and or account locking of sex workers like me and dozens of other sex workers yesterday just found our accounts locked Hmm. and for one i think it really sucks because one of the things that helped me kind of remember all this stuff is i was able to go and search through my old old ass tweets right. and and look at you know pictures and things right. and because i started my twitter account in like 2008 or 2009 so it's like a decade worth of content and curating content and kind of reporting on just what it's like being a sex worker in New Jersey and New York and online. Mm-hmm. And now I'm completely locked up from it. And I think it is because I was talking a lot with the tag sex workers, with the hashtag Bostasesta, with the hashtag Ducrim. Hmm. So do I think that Twitter as a platform has no problem silencing sex workers. Hell the fuck yeah. Do I think Twitter is going to ever answer for it? Hell the fuck no. So, I mean, the only thing we could do is make new accounts and try to keep on going. But for me, I don't really use Twitter to advertise and to work when it comes to sex work but what I was using it for was advocacy and I really distilled my not just the content but people who I followed and my block list to make sure that I could effectively advocate for the most marginalized of us and now I just don't have that anymore like literally in the blink of an eye it was gone 
And that is, that is the reality for sex workers that our websites, our social media presence, our accounts on most of the things that we need to function in society could just be gone. And there's nothing we could do with it. And I just hope people realize the gravity of the situation. Because for me, it was advocacy. But for a lot of people, it was how they feed their families. So if you care, now is the time to make a stink about it. Enjoy what you heard? Become a Patreon subscriber at patreon.com slash unfridays and follow the network at twitter.com slash unfridays. You know what makes racists really mad? Black people having a good time. And we really have a good time making these podcasts. So, if you donate then it's technically the same thing as funding the unhappiness of racists everywhere. Awesome, right? You know what to do.